Hello, Herstorians. I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and welcome to another episode of Women of Herstory, a podcast dedicated to celebrating women who have made or are making their mark on our society. Today, I have with me the amazing singer-songwriter, Demi Michelle. Thank you so much for joining us today, Demi. Thank you for having me. Of course. Enjoying your day so far? I definitely am. I love that. I love that. So let's hop right in. Your debut album, Dear Diary, is making its way to our ears uh, right about now. <laughs> Can you tell us what the inspiration is behind it? So much. I guess the simplest answer is that it's truly my story in my life. And just looking at the title, Dear Diary, that says so much because diaries are very personal things. We write, it th- we write in them to really open up and share a story and do it in a very personal way. And I think that when I first started songwriting, I didn't really open up and I wasn't authentic because I feel like I was afraid to be. And once I got about a year behind me and I realized that I wasn't connecting to any of the songs that I was writing, I kind of had the realization that if I'm going to be a songwriter, I have to tell my story or else I'm not going to care about the songs and listeners aren't going to care. Mm. And so that was huge for me. And I feel like Dear Diary, I started writing the songs for this in the summer of 2019, and I recorded the last song for it in March of this year. And so it was over a period of time, and with the whole pandemic too, I feel like the whole experience was very interesting because obviously my mindset shifted a little bit during 2020 mm-hmm. and having so much time to sit with myself and my emotions, more songs came out of me that I didn't really imagine writing before that. And so the inspiration for this is truly just my emotions, what I'm feeling at a certain period of time and getting that out. And I truly see each of these songs on this album as entries of a diary and their own stories and just part of a whole story, which is me. I love that. Wow. Do you think that it helped you process past feelings and be able to address maybe why you were afraid of really revealing yourself in, in the past? Definitely. Yeah, I feel like as a songwriter, the main reason why I do songwriting is to process my emotions. And when I'm dealing with difficult things and confusing things, my go-to is songwriting. That's my way of processing. That's all I know. And that's the only way I'm able to really work through things in a healthy way. And so I feel like by writing these songs and releasing Will I Ever, which was the lead single, and Find Love, which is not out at the time of recording, but by the time this is out, that's the second single, which is out. And those two songs are very personal. And looking back, if I were to do this two years ago, those are two songs that I would have never shared with anybody, mm. like period. Those are so personal. And with Will I Ever specifically, that was the first song that was so, so so personal to me that I was just really nervous to record and then once I recorded it my producer was like this is like your best song put it out as a single uh-huh. and I dropped it two months after that and so it happened really quickly but I feel like 
all the interviews that I did and all the interactions I had with bands and other listeners, just hearing the way people connected to that and kind of learned more about me through that, it kind of made me realize that it's okay to show, you know, very personal sides and mm. vulnerable sides because the thing about music that I love so much is that people all over the world are so different, but in many ways, we're the same. We have the same emotional experiences and we all have different things that we go through that we can relate to each other. And mm. through songwriting, I'm able to share my story mm. and people worldwide can find their own stories within that. So mm. it's definitely been a learning experience, but I'm really grateful for it. Yeah. I recently heard a quote that was like, we, we're all, we all have different experiences, but the thing that we all share are our dreams and nightmares, you know, and that is so applicable both in your sleep. Right. And then also mm -hmm. in day-to-day -day life. And then yeah. when you can hear people talking about their nightmares, right figuratively mm -hmm. or literally and singing about them and writing and being open. And then that you never know who is going to hear it and say, Oh my God. Oh, them too. I'm not alone. I'm not crazy. Like that's exactly. so powerful. That's so it is powerful. Yeah. And I feel like I've experienced that so much myself listening to other artists music where I'm just like, I swear they wrote the song for me because that is literally me right now. Like, oh my God. Yeah. And so I've experienced that and it's so therapeutic and comforting to know that I'm not the only one in the world feeling a certain way. And no matter how scary it is to open up about personal things at the end of the day, I can be doing that for somebody else. And I've heard that I have just from talking to fans and hearing, you know, I really connected with this. Like that, mm. that makes me the happiest knowing that everything I went through and the challenges I went through with the situation itself, but also with the whole writing process and recording mm -hmm. process and release, you know, like just putting that out there and hearing such kind and, you know, comforting words just makes it all worth it. Mm-hmm. Have you always known that you wanted to be a musical artist? No, I haven't actually. I have loved music ever since I was very little. I started piano when I was 10. And then when I was in middle school, all my friends were doing choir. So what did I do? Join choir <laughs> for like the whole social experience. Um, but I was always surrounded by music. <laughs> um, and then when I was in high school, I started taking voice lessons. So it was always just a hobby for a really long time. And then once I got into college, I initially was a music therapy major, which is really interesting. Um, but it just wasn't right for me. Like the mm -hmm. clinical side of it just wasn't right. Mm -hmm. But after that and having to learn guitar and also realizing that I don't want to do that as a profession, but at the same time, just the practical experiences I had and seeing that music truly heals was something I wanted to do. And so that's when I kind of discovered songwriting and I was like, okay, I don't have to do this in you know, hospital setting or wherever with clients, mm -hmm. but I can do it in my own way. And so I think it was a really cool kind of realization for me. And so once I started to dive into songwriting, I had major confidence issues and I didn't really tell anybody mm. but after I started to share some of those songs with close friends and family and hear them say that you know they're good songs and I should consider recording then that's kind of when I took the leap so pretty much like 
2019 was the year I really decided mm. to pursue this as a career. So I'm still pretty new at the whole, you know, career side of things, but music mm. has always been so special to me. I love that. And it sounds, I mean, clearly it's special to you. The fact that you were going into like the music therapy side of it. Right. So like you, no matter what, it sounds like you were going to end up somewhere in the music industry or just surrounded by music in in one way or another. And I, do you think that the information you received with the clinical side kind of influenced the, the way you approach your songs and the messages you're trying to um, convey? That's a really interesting question. I never thought of before. And I honestly think that it does because a lot of the classes we did were psychology-based, obviously, because of the therapy side. And also just, you know, the whole connection that music has with everybody. Mm. And so I feel like in these sessions that I did, basically, it's it's basically a therapy session, but it's based on music. So you typically take in a song that would kind of, you know, start a conversation. So say the topic that you're working through with a client is them having, you know, self-doubt struggles. So then the song that you take in would be a more of a, you know, empowering song mm-hmm. about, you know, it's okay to have flaws and don't doubt yourself like you're worth it, you know? Mm-hmm. So you would find a song that would kind of set that up and then you would discuss it. Mm-hmm. And I think like with my songwriting, that's pretty much, you know, what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, taking an experience and putting it into song form for my own experiences. And by releasing that, you know, can start conversations and it can have people reflect on their own lives and their own situations. So it is very therapeutic. And I think, you know, I turn to songs to listen to Mm -hmm. when I need that and when I need comfort. And so I definitely think the whole music therapy experience shaped this. And also when I dropped that major, I was still a music major. I was a BA. Um, but I also added a creative writing major. So I was double majoring at that time. And the whole other side of this is that honestly, like creative writing as a major really helped my songwriting with the storytelling aspect. Mm. And a lot of people say my songs really tell stories and they're very vivid with imagery and metaphors. And I got that all from my English major. Mm, and so mm-hmm. like, it's so cool looking back now because when I was in high school, I never saw myself majoring in English and I never saw myself, you know, being a songwriter, but having both of those majors kind of blended together my love for music and my love for creative writing. And then that's what you get songwriting. Yeah. Um, so it's a really interesting story thinking about it. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, bringing up the creative writing thing, you know, so many times uh, songs, I mean, obviously all genres of, of music have a lot of different ways of storytelling, but I think a really one that always uh, draws me in are ones that have almost like a, a, a whole entire story arc or a whole uh, like journey in it rather than just this, um, a repetitive notion not that that's a bad thing at all. I, I, I always say that there is no bad art. There is no bad music. It's just not all of it is meant for everyone. So what you like, someone else might not like and vice versa. So there's no bad art. There's no bad mm-hmm. music. But for me, I love personally the ones that have such a clear, direct story that's being told 
where like a journey, a transformation, just some sort of ending up somewhere that we didn't start and, uh, or at least that the song didn't start in. And I think being able to be succinct with that is also such a skill, right? Because you have to be able right. to convey a whole story in like two and a half, three minutes or depending on how mm -hmm. long you, you know, the average song is. And uh, I think that's such a great skill to have. So like, kudos to yeah. you. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And I think like what you're saying too, like, it's all about the story and that whole connection. And that's why I don't really, I mean, I write pop and country. Those are the genres I mainly do. And my album is definitely more in the pop genre, but a lot of the songs coming after our country mm. and the whole story side of it it's very interesting because country music is probably the genre with the most storytelling that's just how it is mm -hmm. and when I started I would actually send my lyrics to some friends just for like their thoughts and they were saying oh this is so country but it was like a pop song and so that really got me realizing like the storytelling and the messages my sons share is like what my songwriting is all about. Mm. And I feel like by bringing that into my pop music, I feel like I'm kind of breaking down genre boundaries a little bit because mm -hmm. that's not something you typically see in pop music a lot, not much imagery and metaphor and, and all that, but I'm doing it. And I think like that's kind of unique. And some people might think like, oh, this is a pop song. It, it doesn't need all this. Um, but that's why I don't really focus much on genre. Like if I'm writing a song and the story feels more country, I'm going to make it a country song. If it feels more of tempo pop, I'm going to make it that. And so mm. I think, you know, my whole style is more focused on being authentic and sharing a story rather than this is a country song. So this is what it has to be or pop. And that's mm. what it has to be. Mm. I love that. I love that. Do you ever, I I'm going wildly off script here. I keep coming up with questions. Um, <laughs> you, have you ever considered, cause I think you're writing your style would suit, um, like a song cycle. Have, are you familiar with song cycles in like the musical theater world? Hear me uh, yes, out. I think so. It's just from theory classes. So I'm like, pretty sure so song that. cycles are basically, they're not meant to be performed in this like grandiose scale. Um, they're not like uh, a start to finish like show. Right. Um, and mm -hmm. they're, they're meant to be, they can be sung all to like in succession, or you can just pick one out and play it with a guitar you could put you can make it they don't sound like musical theater basically but because of their structure because it's a song cycle that is thematically um alike as far as the the mm. story that's being conveyed um mm. and and each mm. song can sound very different but the journey is is there um, you're, it's just by the, by the way that you're, um, articulating your style and by what I've heard, I think your, you, your process would lend itself well to, a, like a six song song cycle, just food for thought think about it <laughs> well, that's really cool yeah no I definitely I definitely learned about that now that I'm thinking about it in like my music history classes studying like earlier music mm -hmm. um and yeah now that you think about it I mean 
I mean, just looking at, like you said, like a six song cycle, but thematically cohesive with mm-hmm. different stories that I think that'd be really cool. Yeah, I think I'm definitely going to look more into that. It's a great story. Did it take you a while to find your personal writing process? I'm still finding it. And I think anybody who is involved with any kind of art, you're always learning and growing and things are shaping into, you know, different processes and different ways of doing things. And so I think I'm always growing and learning my process, but definitely when I started, I didn't know how to write songs because I had no kind of class about songwriting specifically. I had a classical music education, so this was not part of it. Like the only kind of composition I did was classical composition, not songwriting. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of had to initially start by analyzing other songs and picking them apart that way. Um, But in 2020, I did a retreat with Andrea Stolfe. And if you don't know her, she's such a sweetheart. She's a multi-platinum songwriter. Um, And I did it over Zoom and it was the coolest thing. And I learned so much about the craft of songwriting. Mm -hmm. And since then I've done a boot camp with the Songwriting Academy. In November, I'm going to Nashville for an (laughs) in-person retreat with Andrea. And so I'm just doing as much as I can to learn more about the craft because the more I learn about it, the more I develop my process. And I think that's going to be a process in itself that's never ending. Mm. But for the most part, like I always say that if you're gonna write a song, it has to mean something to you. And so something needs to inspire me. There has to be some kind of spark that makes me go, okay, I wanna write about this. And then Mm. once I have that, for me, I feel like lyrics usually come first. Sometimes lyrics and the melody come together if I'm very inspired. But I personally think just because of how focused I am on the storytelling, I like to know what the song is about and what I'm saying before I get into the melody or chord structure or production. Mm. Um, so I usually start with lyrics and get a draft, not necessarily a solid, perfect draft because there's always room to rise, but Mm -hmm. I like to have lyrics before I dive into the music. And then even after that, just like a paper or anything else, like you have to revise it until it's how you want it. So I'm all for the rewrites and getting them to where they need to be. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, my process is pretty straightforward in a way, but I feel like at the same time from song to song, things can change. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that knowing the craft is very important because if you're stuck on the lyrics and you only start with lyrics, then you're not going to be able to write that song. You can switch it up and maybe play a chord structure Mm. or progression on the guitar or sing a melody and see if anything comes lyrically. So the more you know a craft, the easier it will be to push forward if you get stuck. Yeah, that's that's a great way to look at it too because you know, uh, I wonder, I wonder if that process, that thought process, um, and, and, uh, like songwriting would lend itself to also, uh, like book writing, you know, and, and allowing Mm -hmm. people to, instead of getting writer's block, right. Stuck on the words, even if the end Mm -hmm. game isn't for it to be a song, if you allow yourself to open yourself up to other av- other avenues within the realm of the right. process, mm-hmm. then you can unlock things that you couldn't mm-hmm. find before. Mm. Right. 
Yeah, 100%. And the book, the book comment, I'm actually getting my master's right now. I'm writing proper fiction and I'm writing a book. And so, well. and so it's literally the same thing. It's like, that's what people say. They're like, is your, you know, master's degree helping with your songwriting? I was like, yeah, it is. And my songwriting is helping with my master's degree too. It's like anything creative, you need to know the craft. Like mm-hmm. if you're writing a book and you're stuck on characterization, focus on the setting and maybe figure out the plot some more you can always go in and fill in the character details you know mm-hmm. so it's mm-hmm. all about knowing the craft whatever that is so mm-hmm. yeah definitely fiction writing and songwriting I mean songs are just mini stories not 300 mm-hmm. page books so they're very similar mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. do you have a favorite part of the creative process or do you love when it's finally at that end product Oh, so I obviously really love the whole writing process, but overall, I think the most fun that I always look forward to is the studio side of things, because Mm -hmm. it's so cool to take a song that I wrote in my room with my guitar or out in the great room with my piano and take to the studio and really see it come to life in the way that I hear it in my head. And I have an incredible producer who literally lets me be part of the entire process. It's like, he'll let me play the instruments on the keyboard if it's MIDI, or if it's an acoustic song, I have, an, I have a guitarist, Luke, who plays for me and I give him song references so he knows what I want. Um, and I'm part of the whole mixing process and contri- contributing to like how I want it to sound. And so I'm just so hands-on. And I think that's very important. And I know some artists aren't, some just send out their songs and take the mix that they're given. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I was never like that because I wrote these songs and all the ones on Dear Diary, I wrote 100% myself. Those aren't co-writes. Um, and so in times where I write things completely myself, I have a very clear you know, vision of mm-hmm. what I want those to sound like. And so... I really think it's so important to be part of the whole recording process and the production of it because, you know, it's my song. (laughs) Yeah, you have to put your name on it at the end of the day. (laughs) Right, (laughs) yeah. Um, And so I'm really lucky to have a producer who will let me say, actually, can we get a different string sound? And this piano sounds not doing it for me. And let's put the snaps here. Like literally the songs, like every single song on that album, like I dictated where everything goes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's like really fun because my producer, like he has great suggestions. And so like he and I together, like it's kind of scary sometimes because I feel like we think things like in sync and we'll say things at, at the same time. <laughs> um, and so he gets me and I get him. So like anytime he's like to me, I think we should bring the snaps in in the second verse. I'm like, yep, that's exactly what I was thinking. So there's never any kind of like, you know, battle going on. Like we're mm-hmm. totally on the same page. So it's, it's really a great experience. And I love the whole studio aspect of it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Studios are such a especially the first time you walk into a studio right like the Mm -hmm. it I feel like you can't get it can't get old I mean maybe if you spend every day forever it'll get old but like I don't think so (laughs) (laughs) there's something so satisfying about bringing in yeah all this hard work and it really just coming through and shining and then you get to add all the bells and whistles and 
do all that fun stuff and you get to put on the headphones and like step into the booth like what a good feeling what a great it is energizing feeling yeah it is energizing it's so incredible and I think like the whole you know especially when Luke's there my guitarist like the dynamic between me Luke and my producer Bob is like the best and it's just so fun like everybody's there to create good music it's so chill there's no stress and when I started recording I was terrified I was like really you know not confident with my voice and not confident with my writing and so I was really scared at first but now like I literally just booked a session yesterday and I texted hey, on August 4th, we have a 10-hour session. And he's like, these are my favorite text messages to get. And like, it's just it's so fun. Like, we love it so much. Um, and so, yeah, it's literally, I always look forward to my studio sessions are the best. Oh, I love that. I love that. We've kind of touched on it a little bit about you not defining your your music in a in a specific genre. How would you describe it to someone who hasn't heard it before so I would definitely describe it as you know each song is truly me so when you're listening that's my story I'm not going to make things up Um, and everything is from 100% personal experiences and my emotions and the storytelling I keep going back to the storytelling because every single song of mine there's going to be images in there very specific imagery metaphors there's a specific story there's a very strong message and that's pretty much you know that's what I'd say because I write pop music and I write country those are two very different genres stylistically Mm -hmm. but if you strip away you know, the production. And if I if I would sing one of my pop songs acoustic and one of my country songs acoustic, they would sound very similar because it's a storytelling. Mm. You really get into the genres when you bring in the production. Mm-hmm. And so I, I definitely think that, you know, my songs are very real and authentic and they're very story driven. And also I just think I try to be very, you know, open about emotion. And so I, I feel like a lot of my songs, I mean, just listen to Will I Ever and Find Love. Those are very emotional songs. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of my brand is, you know, not necessarily sad songs all the time, but very, I guess you can say introspective. Like I, I really look into mm. my thoughts and feelings and kind of share that. Um, and I think me, myself, like when I'm listening to other songs, those are the ones that I connect to. Mm-hmm. So my songs are very story driven, introspective, emotional. And yeah, whatever genre that sends to fall into, there you go, far for country. But, <laughs> you know, it's all rated with the story. Yeah, I think that's such an important perspective to have, you know, to be able to articulate you know, the fact that you're like, listen, <laughs> I'm very open and <laughs> what you hear is what it is. There's nothing fabricated right. in this. This is very no. much exactly what was happening the day that I wrote this. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I think so many times we, as, as even as artists, when we consume music, I think sometimes we forget that there is a person on the other side of it right. definitely mm-hmm. tell the difference between the people who are just writing the generic sad love song or the generic happy love song and then the ones who are 
giving right. you a real perspective and a real look into the deepness of human emotion. <laughs> right. Exactly. No, I completely get that. Um, and a perfect song coming to mind, which isn't out yet. This is going to be, um, this isn't an exclusive, haven't said this yet, but I wrote a song called Four Leaf Clover mm. and I'm actually going to release it on St. Patrick's Day next year. But basically what the song is about is um, I haven't really been in a serious relationship because I feel like I'm very flawed and I kind of, you know, get into the head space of do I deserve it? That kind of thing. Um, and so one day I was just like thinking of lucky things and I was like, you know, I hope one day someone's lucky to find me like a four-leaf clover. And I was like, oh my God, this is such a song hook. Like what? And so that's like the whole perspective of the song. And there's so many songs out there about, you know, feeling insecurities and wanting to fall in love, but there's no song out there using a four-leaf clover as a metaphor for that. Mm -hmm. And it's just it's something so real that came to me one day. And so I wrote about it. And so it's honestly just a perspective of being unique and writing songs that feel right to you instead mm -hmm. of saying, oh, this person is writing this song or this is a billboard number one. So I got to, you know, make a copy of that. Like, that's not how this works. Mm. <laughs> um, you have to be authentic and, you know, be yourself. And whatever mm -hmm. that is, is what it is. Mm. You've talked about being insecure. Have there been times when you've doubted yourself in this process or just in general in your shift into this aspect of music all the time I mean I still do and I think that's just such a part of the human experience that mm -hmm. we'll never get over not doubting ourselves um, because there are certain situations that kind of make us and one that's coming to mind um, which was completely I should have not doubted myself here but I did um, so my single LA will wait for me was my first country release and that was a co-write and so that song I love the song and I wrote it with my friend Madison it's a very special song to both of us but I just didn't see myself as a country artist at this time and at this time I only had two singles out which were two pop ballads so I feel like people saw me as you know, the pop ballad girl. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was afraid, like literally, I was like, I cannot, I can't put out a country song. I don't belong in the country music community. Like they're not going to accept me. And so I was like majorly doubting this whole thing. Mm. And when I put it out, I literally have never felt such love and support from anybody in my entire life. Like the country music fans and people on radio and podcasting and blogs are just so supportive. And this song, like it, it literally, like, I think it's approaching at this time, like 13,000 Spotify streams, which is like a lot for wow. me. Like I haven't gotten many. Um, yeah. So a lot. And like, it's getting played on radio stations, mostly in the UK, the UK, I love them. <laughs> and that's, that song just gave me so much confidence, mm. because now I feel like, you know, I can, I can write country, mm. and I don't have to just be a pop artist. And, you know, seeing the support moving forward, will I ever came after that, which was, like I said, a very personal one and still is. And if I wouldn't have experienced support the way I did with LA, there's no way, absolutely mm -hmm. no way I would have been able to put Willie ever out because I just felt like I didn't feel like I belonged yet. And the support LA gave me, you know, now I feel like I have such a great 
family of supporters all over the world and that they're here with me now. And every time I doubt myself, like I have them to mm. kind of give me the kick to say, no, listen, don't doubt yourself. You're fine. Um, and give me that reassurance because I feel like I'm somebody who needs reassured a lot. And I definitely have people now to do that. Um, so I'm still preparing myself for more times when I doubt myself because I always will. But I think now that I have supportive people in my life that, you know, I don't think it's going to be as hard. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also important to look back at like where you started and right. then already in such a short time where you are now, you know, so many times yeah. we so easily lose that perspective, especially mm-hmm. when we really care <laughs> about what yeah. what we're doing. It's so easy to forget that like oh I didn't used to even be able to get all these ideas easily yeah Yeah, an interview and all these things and then you look and you go huh wow yeah no that was literally me like when I put it out (laughs) into focus and all I want this Christmas my first two I didn't really try to promote them because major confidence issues I didn't think Mm -hmm. I was good enough I just dropped the song um but with LA like Ali will wait for me was the first song I got anything for like radio airplay press or interviews or anything like nothing and I was just sitting there like that's the thing like I feel like I didn't stop to reflect and I think now that you brought it up I should like a year ago like last year at this time last July I was probably sitting wondering why I ever get interviewed you know Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. now like my EPA is full my EPK is full now um and so it's like that kind of thing where I mean like you said short period of time but recognizing the small steps like I I don't have a hit song now but I don't need one I I'm starting to make my own little steps up to my goals and Mm -hmm. I think taking time to reflect on that is really important I definitely need to do more of that because I get caught up in what's happening now Mm -hmm. instead of recognizing that what I have now is what I wanted Mm -hmm. and what I want now is something I'll get so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and it's so funny too like small little steps right so there's no one is actually an overnight success. That's not a thing. That is a myth (laughs) that is perpetuated because then overnight success takes years and years and years and years of work. And then though, just the right person happening, like just being there that makes them, but just because you hadn't heard of somebody before and then all of a sudden the whole world knows who they are does not mean that out of nowhere they've just gotten all this success. Like, no, that's not how that works. And also on that same token, um, something that I will forever say over and over and over and over and over again is there's no single definition of success. There are many different layers to success and many different manifestations of it like you are Mm -hmm. successful you if in anything that you look at in what you're doing if you have been able to literally put record a song in a studio that is a success that that is a check boom that's happened you know and I think Mm -hmm. so many times we are quick to say well, especially in the arts, you know, if you're not 
a household name, then you're not an actor. You're not a real singer. You're not a real this. You're not a real that. And it's wildly infuriating. And I think like a lot of it is with expectations. Mm. Like the way society is, a lot of people, you know, put two people side by side and compare. Mm. And especially in the entertainment industry, it's so hard not to. And especially like I'm one of those people who... I am so supportive of everybody. And if one of my friends gets an opportunity that I'm like, oh, I wish I had that. I'm still going to support them like crazy because I, like, if I got that, I would want them to support me. Mm-hmm. So I'm never like selfish or anything um, in terms of that. But it's still at times like that, it's still, it can still hit you like, mm-hmm. oh, was I not good enough? I, that'll always be a part of it. But I mm-hmm. think, you know, at the end of the day, my life is my my story is mine you know mm-hmm. somebody else's is theirs and mm-hmm. everybody has their own journey absolutely and we can't get trapped into you know comparing to everybody else because that would just bring you know negativity and not good for your mental health and all that um mm-hmm. so i've just been trying to focus on myself as much as possible i think that's i mean the healthiest like best way to approach a lot anything really anything in life you focus on the things that you can control which are your own actions there is nothing else that you have any real control over even if you're someone who's quote-unquote like in charge you still Mm -hmm. don't actually have control over the actions of anybody that you're in charge of like you don't they have autonomy they can do whatever they feel like doing now you then can yeah. fire them but you know what I mean you have no control <laughs> over anybody but yourself so yeah you know it's and and then on that same token like it's uh it does suck when you see like you're like man I, I wish I had this opportunity <laughs> but then on the yeah. same token so many times at least in my own experience right I've been like man like, I, I feel like I would have been good for that. I, I wonder why. And then I have to remember, oh, because I didn't even submit for that. Or like, I didn't even right. go in for that. I didn't try right. to do that. So why would mm-hmm. I then be upset or like a little, you know, mopey about it? Because yeah. I didn't even try to do it. And now I'm just mad yeah. that somebody else did. Like, what kind of logic is that? I'm really <laughs> bad about falling into that where I'm like, I could have yeah and once you go down that rabbit hole there's no way out yeah there's no way out of there you have to like go for a run and like eat three ice cream and then you're like okay get it together (laughs) yeah I feel what do you hope that people get from listening to this album so I really want people to take away the message that no matter who you are, you're going to struggle with things. We mm. all have our own insecurities. We all have flaws. We all have hopes and dreams and things that seem out of reach. It's just a part of life. And this is my story. Dear Diary is my diary in music form. And I just want people to listen to my story and hopefully accept me and my story, mm. but also recognize that you have your secret diary too. And whatever is in that, it's fine. There's nothing wrong with you. I spent years thinking there was something seriously wrong with me. And (laughs) I honestly still think that 
I'm not perfect. I'm way, way far from perfect. Um, but I've kind of through writing this album have realized that it's okay not to be okay sometimes. It's okay to mm. recognize you have flaws. And I just hope that <clears throat> I hope that other listeners can take that into their own lives and say, hey, you know, mm. it's fine. Mm-hmm. I can be me. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And that's what a what a great mission to have behind uh, an album, you know, not about streams, although streams like are great, you know, take that box, but mm-hmm. to have a greater mission behind your music is is amazing. So I'm I I'm excited to to hear it when when it comes out slash yeah, thank you if it's already come out by the wow. time this airs <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I mean I feel like also too like I don't think of my music as it's all about me mm-hmm. yeah that's my story but it's not about me when I'm putting music out it's in the hands of the listeners now mm-hmm. and they can interpret it and they can connect with it and so I feel like my album is kind of a gift in the way in a way sharing with the world and letting whoever listens to take what they want from it and process whatever they want from it Mm -hmm. and that will always be a piece of me and my story but now that it's out there I'm not going to make it all about me I'm going to make it about you know the whole experience Mm. um, surrounding it and the message so that's really important to me as well Mm. that's amazing well, before we get to our last two questions, somehow we already ended up over here. <laughs> Is there anything else that you would like to add where we can find you, your music, or anything else that we didn't touch on? Sure. So I am on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. My handle is at Demi M. Schwartz. And you can just search Demi Michelle. That's my, you know, name. That's my my display name on everything. So I will come up. I also have a website, which is jimmymschwartz.com, where I keep up with all the news. So you guys can, you know, look there for all the updates. And also I run a blog on there with frequent posts about everything I have going on. And I also have a podcast called Right on Track, a songwriting podcast. And I love this because, again, it's not about me. It's about the conversations. And so every episode I have a guest on and we talk about something related to songwriting or the music industry or anything, really. Um, And they're very authentic, real conversations. They're not interview based. It's literally just people sitting down and talking about real things. Mm. And I've honestly loved this so much because... The conversations are out of this world. And honestly, like you, this podcast, Women of Her Story, is so inspiring just listening to stories. And that's why I love this podcast so much. And, you know, that's something that when I started mine, I was like, I want this to have a meaning. I don't want it to be mm. about me. And I don't want it to be about the guest. I want it to be about real experiences, mm-hmm. real challenges that people can face and that people do face and can talk about. Mm. Um, And so that's the focus of that through the scope of music. Mm. Um, So yeah, that's that. So all of that information about my music and the podcast and everything is on my website and my music itself is on all the platforms, Spotify, Apple music, wherever. So yeah. (laughs) 
Amazing. Wow. But I love, I love the mission and like message behind your, um, your podcast. So I ask the same last two questions to everyone that comes through the podcast. First, what is your second favorite color and why? Okay. This is the coolest question. <laughs> your second favorite color? Like, okay. First of all, I answer, like, how did you come up with that? That's so cool. <laughs> um, nobody asks that. And also <laughs> even like as adults, when's the last time somebody asked you like what your favorite color was or like, <laughs> you know, like what if I, I don't know. I, and I think the second favorite color to me is more telling than somebody's first favorite color. Cause usually Ooh. the second favorite color is something that you realize like over time. And I think people's first favorite color is the one you've had since you were like an infant, you know, <laughs> so, I, I find it so fascinating. I, you know, I love, I love colors. I think colors, music, all of that are very telling of people. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, my second favorite color is blue and it's so cool that you asked me this question now because the will I ever artwork made me really realize how much I love blue mm. and this was like totally random um and if you look at the artwork blue's like the color theme and I'm actually standing in front of a butterfly wall and the butterfly I'm in front of is blue um and so honestly like when I was reflecting on you know what that meant I did actually research online some like color psychology and mm. blue is actually a color that can represent inspiration and creativity. Mm. And that's so cool because, you know, I'm trying so hard to inspire. I'm a very creative person. And also blue is just super pretty. I mean, it's the color of the sky. It's infinite. It's, mm. you know, endless possibility. And so blue is it's my second favorite color and honestly my my favorite color is purple and if you would ask me why I don't have an answer it's just because I like it um so now that I'm actually thinking about this and everything you said how the second favorite color is more telling like blue definitely has way more meaning than why purple is my favorite color so yeah yeah I love that you know especially especially when you realize it by accident you know, where you're like, wow, my whole house is all blue. And I didn't even know that I like blue like that, you know, it just kind of like shows up out of nowhere. And you're like, when did that happen? I thought I loved red, but apparently it's like burnt orange. You're like, when did, when did I decide I liked these colors? Yeah. yeah. I think it's so fascinating. And I love that answer. I actually didn't know that about blue representing a lot of like creative energies and stuff, but it makes sense because it's a color that is so readily found in nature, obviously the sky, yeah. and then the water is a reflection <laughs> of the sky. So, right. You know, that's, that's, that makes sense. Hmm. Yeah. I'm going to go mm -hmm. do a bunch of color theory research right. now. Yeah, like, do that. It's yeah. so cool. Like I just went down, I went down the total rabbit hole when I did that because then I was like, oh, I wonder what red represents. I wonder what pink represents. And I just like started Googling like what all the colors represent. It's actually really interesting if you like stop to, you know, think about it. Mm -hmm. Well, it also like something that I, this is, see, this is what I was talking about, about thought trains where like <laughs> we're going in right now. But um, <laughs> when you look at certain artists, 
painters. Um, yeah. Very specifically, some of them, all of their, their paintings, all of their work will have a very similar color scheme, but then, yeah. um, because they, I feel like it depends on a lot of what you draw your inspiration from. And I found mm -hmm. at least in my own, um, dissection, amateur dissection of artists that I really enjoy the ones that tend to draw their inspiration from experiences or like very internally, um, yeah. are the ones who they're, they don't favor a particular color and mm -hmm. you get pretty immediately exactly what even if it's abstract you can pretty immediately right. tell by their work what they want you to feel before you even like go look at the little plaque underneath it that tells you the title you know quite uh -huh. fascinating yeah. really yeah it definitely is yeah, yeah. I, I love it and last what in your opinion is the best part of being a woman so many things, but if I have to pick one, I think it's just the fact that, okay, this is kind of two, but the fact that women are just so inspiring and strong. Mm. And I just have been so inspired by women being open and sharing their struggles and, you know, not being afraid and running away from things. But I mean, I know like for me, like I'm so in tune with my emotions mm -hmm. and I think a lot of the times, I know for me as a woman, like being seen as, oh, you're too emotional, stop crying. No, I can express myself. And I think like, I think with us being so in tune with our emotions, we're able to, you know, grow and become stronger mm -hmm. in certain ways. And just looking back throughout history, the strength that women have shown mm -hmm. and rising above and just proving that we are strong and we are unstoppable and that we can inspire each other. And I think like we are so empowering to each other. And like, when I see another woman's success, I am just like, yes. Like, mm -hmm. I literally mm -hmm. love it. I love it. I love to, you know, put my girls up on a pedestal and be like, yes, you did it. Because I know that they would do the same for me. And I just love the empowerment and the strength and the inspiration mm -hmm. that all of us share. Mm hmm. And as far as like crying or showing emotion, being a weakness, I think that takes incredible strength to be able to show outwardly the turmoil that is affecting you on the inside. You're not hiding behind a mask. You're mm -hmm. you're releasing and exposing a really vulnerable part of yourself and if you're crying in front of people or even by yourself whatever sitting in the shower crying usually <laughs> once you let it out you can be like oh all right well I needed that and now yeah like, let's do it let's go let's yeah let's make it happen let's kick ass now. Yeah. yeah right yeah I mean like the whole emotion thing it's not a weakness it's being yeah. human yeah like we all have emotions every human being has emotions you can cry you can be angry you can be over the top happy and no matter what it is and no matter who you are like we're all human. We all mm. go through these emotions and nobody, not a single person should be ashamed 
to cry and let things out Mm -hmm. because afterward once that's out of your system you typically feel better about like everything like Mm -hmm. once you just get that out and so nobody should be ashamed to cry because holding that in it's just gonna make things worse so honestly infinitely worse (laughs) (laughs) that's how you get sick that's how you get stomach ulcers really I mean (laughs) like at base you should just not want to make yourself sick by holding things at like come on guys yeah (laughs) get it together (laughs) right oh my goodness thank you so so much for taking the time to sit down and talk today. I truly love everything that you are doing with your music. And I think you have such a unique perspective and a really beautiful message that you are conveying already with your music. And so I'm so excited to see where this takes you and uh excited to like this book that you're writing like I didn't even what (laughs) so you're killing it you're amazing so I mean thank thank you you again for for taking the time of course thank you this has been hands down one of the most special interviews just having a genuine conversation I loved it so so much so it was truly an honor thank you for having me of course. And thank you, Herstorians, for tuning again. Whoops, for tuning in again. We didn't forget about you. <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe, follow, tell all your friends so that they can hear amazing stories just like this one and be super inspired to go write an album. Make sure you guys follow us on the social medias. We are all over the place. On Instagram, we are at Women of Her Story Podcast. On Twitter, we're at The Her Story Pod. On Facebook, we're at Women of Her Story. And you can always find all those links if you've forgotten our handles on our website at ofherstory.com. Until next week, be safe, stay healthy, and show the world what you're made of. <laughs>